Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the North Carolina Grandfather Mountain Winery, where we are dropping philatelic warheads on your foreheads. Thank you, Cash, for that new opening. This is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 264, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center a non-profit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. This is Albert. This is Becca. This is Brian. This is Don. A new issue date has been chosen for the Women Vote Forever stamp. From Lynn's July 16th, 2020 issue. Hold on, hold on. It's the Women Vote Forever stamp, not the Women Vote Forever stamp. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who didn't put a comma anyway. <laughs> I read it as you wrote it. <laughs> Punctuation, sir. A new issue date has been chosen for the Women Vote Forever stamp. From Lynn's July 16th, 2020 issue, the non-denominated 55-cent forever stamp commemorating the passage of the 19th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which guarantees women the right to vote, now has a new issue date. The Women Vote stamp will be issued August 22nd instead of the previously announced issue date of August 26th. The first day city of Seneca Falls, New York is unchanged, although the Postal Service does not expect to hold an in-person first day ceremony when the stamp is issued. Hey, I've been there. Very famous area. Yes. Seneca Falls has been called the birthplace of women's rights. The Seneca Falls Convention, held July 19th to 29th, 1848, was the first women's rights convention, and it included proponents of universal suffrage, such as Elizabeth Cady Stanton. The 19th Amendment, guaranteeing all American women the right to vote, was passed by Congress on June 4th, 1919, and ratified August 18th, 1920. The stamp illustration features suffragists marching in parade or public demonstration, according to the Postal Service. Yeah, my question is, if you're not having a official first day ceremony, why not have it on August 18th when it was ratified? I mean, if the date doesn't matter, pick the date that matters. So today we are going to discuss first day covers. So what is a first day cover? The three basic elements of a first day cover are the envelope, the stamp, and the postmark. The postmark is the critical element as it verifies the date on which the stamp in question was canceled and ties it to the cover. If the date of the cancel is on the first day, a particular stamp design has been issued by the post office, the envelope, it is the envelope it is on is a first-day cover. After that, the cachet is ultimately the most important part of the first-day cover. Cachet mark... Jeez. Ca cachet makers among the more popular cachet... That's why what? we edit. <laughs> what is this sentence? Cachet makers among, among the more popular cachet makers. 
I don't know. I, this was cut and pasted. Uh, yeah, like plagiarized, like it, everything else. Well, <laughs> no, I gave credit. It said from the Linz, whatever the date is. Okay. Um, Among the more popular cachet makers are the following. Artcraft, perhaps the most numerous ca- Artcraft are perhaps the most numerous cachets available. Started in 1939, Artcraft used plain black ink engraved designs. Very clear and well-executed designs were well-received by stamp collectors. After all, after all stamp collectors have... After all? There's no comma. <laughs> I, I cut and paste this. This is exactly how it appeared in Linz. <laughs> they need a copy editor. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> After all, stamp collectors have an advanced level of appreciation for engraved art, like the stamps they collect. Because they were produced and collected heavily, they are among the most common first-day cachet on the aftermarket. At the same time, that popularity has resulted in many people trying to collect them all. It's like Pokemon. Gotta catch them all. The early issues from 1939 are more difficult to come by. There are a number of variations available to add to the enjoyment. With the exception of early issues, you should probably insist on unaddressed material f- for this cachet maker. Um, yeah, the first art craft wasn't a first day cover, right? It was for the uh, New York World's Fair, I believe. And that's highly sought after. I have seen a couple of them. I have bid against them. And uh, they all went for far more than I was willing to pay. Well, I do know that um, the... Most people who they would sign up for basically a service where when a stamp was issued, they would get the first day covers shipped to them automatically. And that would mean that they either provided addressed labels, address labels, or they would provide envelopes that were pre addressed. And then the art craft, art craft would add the cachet and the stamp when they were available. And so. Um, well, no, they didn't add the cachet. They printed those, but they would mail them to you either inside of your envelope. So you sent them like an oversized envelope. Or they would take one of theirs and put the address on it. Later on, you know, they did it by, you know, computer sticky labels or whatever. A lot of them, a lot of them I see are done by typewriter. Yeah, I can't imagine somebody was hand addressing these, though. Well, I think the the you hand addressed your own, and you and you somehow got that to them. Did something that way? I don't know, Albert. Would you, have you ever uh, seen anybody how they pro- actually produced or processed the orders for Artcraft first day covers? Uh, in the in the seventies, uh, they had a guy. I went to the Gershwin stamping uh, the first day ceremony, and the guy from Artcraft had had the covers but at that time they, a lot of people wanted unaddressed so they he would he would get them all serviced you know put the stamps on the cached envelopes get them canceled and then put them in a separate envelope and then send it to his clients yeah here's one of the uh mark just handed me and i'll hold it up to the microphone so you can all see it mm-hmm. um it is the 1939 uh, art craft uh first day and uh, <laughs> it's on the price for uh, on eBay for $92, which is a good $80 more than I'm willing to spend. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one I'm selling. 
Oh, that's no. yours? Yep. <laughs> really? <laughs> Sorry to insult so you. I'm, so I'm looking for some sucker who will pay $92. I guess well, not, I, not I just that. squashed your market there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so most of these people that signed up for the service got their covers addressed, and they were actually sent through the mail. The stamp actually did the postal duty uh, getting to them. Now... Yeah, if, it, you, if you got a cover that was damaged, you could always write to them, and they would send you an unaddressed cover uh, as a replacement. Um, but that's and that's a lot of times why you see uh, when you see a collection, they're all addressed to the same person, except every once in a while you'll see one that's unaddressed, and those are replacements for ones that got damaged in the mail uh, that the person contacted and had replaced. Over the next fifty years. Um Businesses would contract with the big cachet makers in order to, like Artcraft or Artmaster or something like that, or uh, Fleetwood, and they would actually uh, send out advertising inside of inside of a first day cover. And one thing that I found from uh, a number of advanced first day cover collectors is is that the stuff that's actually that was actually used and sometimes actually forwarded, like if it went to a foreign country or something, those are actually among the more valuable first day covers now. I have seen some of those. I've also seen some of the ones with the uh, interior guts in it, not just a normal one. Um, I sold, and I was shocked because I put it up for auction, and you know I was hoping to get like five bucks for it, but if I got two, I would be happy. It was the uh, Boy Scout first day cover from Artcraft. And I also photographed and showed, you know, the stuff that was inside of it. And instead of getting $2, which would make me happy, $5, which would make me ecstatic, it sold for $15 because it had guts in it. And congressmen and other, other people used first day covers sometimes to send out their uh, campaign materials. Yeah, I've seen some of those and too, th yeah. And those were actually collected too. Um, political... Um, political mail is an area that's actually collected by any number of people, especially uh, lawyers and uh, other former politicians. Now, uh, another thing you, one thing you have to be aware of is, you know, a, a lot of people had a lot of these covers have typewritten addresses. Some of them are handwritten, sometimes in pencil, sometimes in pen, and uh, sometimes they actually have sticky labels. Yeah, um, and obviously some of the older ones, the the gum is dried up and they pop off a lot of times if you handle them. Um, so, but when you're looking for unaddressed covers, be aware that sometimes the pencil address gets erased, and sometimes those stickers are peeled off. So, a lot of times you can tell if the stickers were peeled off right away after they were received. A lot of times, there's no harm, and you can't you can't tell. Uh, but uh, I I see a lot of sometimes I see ones that are addressed in pencil, and it's really light. You can tell the intent was to eventually erase the pencil yeah. address. Um, well, this started, but for somehow they you managed to survive 50, 60 years yeah. with the pencil address on. There was an argument, and it started. I'm going to say in the 70s, because that's when I remember it. And it really boiled down to, is a first day cover philatelic or not? Did it go through the mail? And there are, it was like split 50-50. Half of them said, I want my 
first day cover to arrive at my house. So put an address on it. And, you know, it really is a mailed item. Uh, there's other ones who said, no, I want a nice clean cover. I don't want an address on it. No address. I want it nice and clean for my collection. And it really was split down the middle. I mean, today we look at it and we see it, especially with the gold foil stamps. Now, not saying to go out and get some gold foil stamps or that they're a good investment because they're not. But there are quite a few people who collect those. And the ones with addresses sell for much, much less than the ones uh, that are unaddressed. An unaddressed one, you could spend, depending on the topic, it depends on the topic. But they go for between $0.50 cents and $2 each. An addressed one goes for between a dime and a quarter. Now, of course, the exceptions are an unaddressed Marilyn Monroe gold stamp first day cover. I sell them all the time. Whenever I find them, I get 25 bucks and they sell like the next day. They, uh, James Dean, they sell for about 20 bucks. They take a little bit longer. But uh, if you have the gold foil, Marilyn Monroe, unaddressed, that's probably the most valuable gold stamp cover there is. And it's worth, you know, north of 25 bucks. Well, Artmaster celebrated 50 years of first day covers in 1996. Happy their, birthday. <clears throat> their first cachet was itchy, it was issued on May 9th, 1946. Founded by Bob and Mary Schmidt in a file box on their kitchen table, as the story goes, the business is still owned by family. Bob and Mary were collectors themselves and always did their best to please their customers with personal service, which the company still tries to do today. Artmaster envelopes are printed by offset printing in one or two colors. On the reverse is a short biography or description of the stamped subject. Early Artmaster covers were single color engravings. Yeah, Artmaster, they really went to town during the uh, 1976 Bicentennial. They just produced everything in the world, and they did a really, really good job of it. Which company just went out of business? It was Artmaster or Artcraft stopped doing first day covers. I believe it was Artcraft. I thought so too. Yeah. They just didn't have a high enough subscription subscription base to right. continue, yeah. Right. House of Farnham is the very oldest continually pro House of Farnham is the very oldest continuously produced cachet. Founded by Dusty Farnham and his wife Vera in Cleveland, Ohio on May 9, 1936. The business was sold to John Halliday of Whittier, California in the late 1970s. Then Artmaster assumed production of Farnham covers in 1988. House of Farnham caches are multicolor engravings and have a rich distinctive appearance and texture. Early Farnham covers are single color. Yeah, the House of Farnham's... Uh I believe mostly in the 1940s and 1950s are by far the best looking of all the companies that were putting uh, out caches. House of Farnham was definitely the best and they are premium items. They, if you look in the Scott catalog, um, the catalog says with the most common cache uh, for their first day cover prices, House of Farnham is definitely not one of the most common caches 
Covercraft Covercraft Caches is a line of covers founded in New Jersey by Ben Schwartz in 1964. It has been a limited edition version of Farnham since 1987. The line has been produced by Artmaster since 1988. Covercraft caches are made from the same engraving plates as Farnham covers, but feature gray rather than white stock envelopes. Each comes with a stuffer card detailing the number produced for that issue, as well as a short description or biography of the stamp subject. Fleetwood has made the finest first-day covers in the business since 1929 for more than 75 years. Fleetwood first-day covers are painstakingly crafted using beautiful designs created exclusively for Fleetwood collectors. Every cover bears the coveted Fleetwood watermark and uses fine linen finished paper made to exacting specifications. Stamps are masterpieces in miniature and are carefully affixed. Add to this the authoritative narratives the full-bodied feel and enduring quality of the covers themselves, the official postmarks, and you have the key reasons why Fleetwood brand first-day covers are so popular among collectors. Yeah, uh, not send, this collector. Send your advertising uh, money to uh, Stamp Show here today. That was clearly written to be a commercial for Fleetwood. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, Fleetwood is um, one of my least favorite first day covers i actually uh, house of farnham is my favorite i like house of farnham yes uh fleetwood i would put as number two because they do produce a good item the the art craft and art master are just too ubiquitous for me yeah well they're the common ones i go for a little bit more uncommon and the these two what they have in uh, in common is that they print in multicolor and when you get the multicolor caches, they just look nicer. Colorado Silk are this country's leading manufacturer of full-color silk caches for first-day and special event covers. Brilliant full-color art, dazzling gold borders, and the unique look that only a silk cache can offer have made Colorado the choice of knowledgeable collectors for more than 25 years. Browse their website, and you'll soon see why Colorado covers are considered by many to be the finest available on the market today. Yeah, we we copied this from. This is from Lynn's. Clearly, they are. Uh, this is ad copy. Yeah, this is ad copy. <laughs> there's, there's there's no journalism in this. Somebody's getting a payoff. I, I I've been looking at Colorado covers on eBay recently, and have noticed that uh, uh, a lot of the more recent. Uh, ones and then popular topics like animals and things like that are going uh, they have multiple bidders sometimes as many as uh, five to eight bidders on these things and and the prices uh, are being run up anywhere from six or seven dollars to ten dollars in some cases or more Uh, Colorado is is uh, seems to be quite popular at the moment One thing, one cache maker that they don't mention because he died a long time ago, Crosby covers. Crosby first day covers, you can generally tell them because he, look at his name down at the bottom, but they'll have a picture of something, an actual like photograph. They're an actual photograph that's actually glued to the cover. Right. And from my experience, the two most valuable first day covers are going to be either be Colorado Silk or Crosby's. Those are the two, and by a long shot. 
you know, five dollars for a normal one. If it's a, a Crosby cover, it'll be twenty-five. Or five dollars for a normal Colorado sick will be silk will be ten dollars. Uh, the prices on these. You know, they do a really good job, and so the prices go up because people like pretty stuff. What about the hand-drawn, hand-drawn, hand-colored stuff like Dorothy Knapp, which brings hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars for sets? Yeah, but those I put into a different category because hand-drawns are – I see hand-drawns go for whack – well, not – I'm putting wacky, a value judgment. Numbers, yeah, yeah I, that's a value judgment, though. It, it, it's just a number that I wouldn't pay. I see uh, hand-drawn covers going for $50, $75, $100 more sometimes. But I think what you're really buying is you're buying the artwork. You're not buying the cover. And the cover is just the... Vehicle. It's the vehicle. Right. It's the canvas that they use. Like the remarcade duck stamps? Oh yeah, well, go over those real quick. Oh, the uh, the new uh, ruling. Yeah, the because um, a year ago we uh, the duck stamp contest was held here in Las Vegas, and we all went, and it was the first year in many years that they introduced a hunting element into the duck stamp. Because prior to that, I think it was maybe uh, uh, RW twenty six with the with the retriever was yeah. was one of the few that had a hunting element, and the artists were very upset about having to introduce a hunting element and the uh and the uh the official wildlife um put out the idea of having a hunting element introduced to every duck stamp uh that was issued in a year ending in zero or five and they put it out for public comment and um almost universally all the public comments were against you know this is horrible you know this <laughs> that kind of thing well they just uh they just made the ruling that now Every year, <laughs> every you wanted your stamp. opinion. Screw yeah, you! Right. Every duck stamp will have a hunting element, and also um, the judges themselves have to be familiar with duck hunting. Mm. It, they can't just be, you know. Well, even, even though the proceeds from the the duck hunting stamps go to what, uh, wetland conservation. Uh, the primary use of those stamps is for yeah, <laughs> hunting for, permits. Yeah. So <laughs> well, it kind of makes sense. Well, the <laughs> other thing is they issued conservation stamps. And nobody bought them. And, nobody, and they flew over like a lead balloon. But anyway, back to the topic. Brian, you work for one of the major auction houses in the world. What's your opinion on first day covers? And uh, what do you see showing up at the auction at the high level? Well... Certainly the uh, hand paintings that they mentioned, uh, I, I would classify those as first days. I know we disagree on that, but uh, it, it's real, they're really collected by first day uh, collectors. The, the other thing uh, I, I'm really noticing are the Coloranos. They've always been popular. They will always be popular. People love those. They're, they're beautiful covers. Uh, they do well at stores, on eBay, wherever you want to sell it. They're always popular. And uh, But really, uh, one of the things I think you guys missed over is there's a huge collecting community that have very small runs of these covers where they do, say, five, ten of a cover for a certain maker. And some of those are quite popular and uh, can be very rare. And some of them bring a pretty good amount of money. Hmm. Another another cachet maker that uh, 
I found and I met this guy a few years ago. His name is Kendall Beetle Bevel, B E V I L, and he he may when he does his covers he uses uh, an airbrush technique and he basically he paints the covers and um, he generally will do a run of somewhere between 150 and 200 when he does one and it's interesting how he he'll try different designs he draws the designs all himself um, he uses uh, envelopes that have already been stamped and uh, with the first day ca uh, cancel and the so you know he, he can do a stamp that was issued three years ago as long as he has enough un, uh, clean uncached covers to work with but he'll do different color schemes and things like that he'll pick the one that uh, he, he likes best and then he lines them up on a big board and he paints them one color at a time and he paints the entire board each cover individually so that they all come out the same and sense. then he individually numbers and signs every single one <sighs> And uh, it very, very, very well done and uh, very popular. And I think they run generally run twelve to twenty dollars a piece uh, from him. <laughs> and uh, rarely do you see them on the secondary market because the people that collect them are very, very they hold on to them. That's something that I notice with hand painted is people will collect an artist. And they will die with them. I mean, they, well, the, they keep them forever. The other thing is he's got customers who will, who have collected since he started doing this. And so if you look at their collection, every single one will be like eight of 150. <laughs> yeah. And every single one will be number eight. <laughs> and that's also a point of pride with these collectors. Yeah. They're so in love with these covers. And uh, every once in a while, somebody will, will pass or somebody will decide to sell their collection and a number will become available. And uh, Or sometimes sometimes when they sell the collection, you can get like if you want, say you wanted a, a set of the Civil War stamps or something like that. Um, if you can find – sometimes you can find the matched number sets. Yeah. And that's always uh, better than yeah. having a mixed set. Well, let's go back in history a bit. The first first day cover, and again, we are talking here about first day covers, not first use covers. That'll be something nice to talk about in the next uh, podcast. Why don't we do first use next podcast? But we are talking about first day covers and the first first day cover. Well, these are covers that were intentionally created on the first day. Exactly. This was uh, the first one was the two cent Harding. Right, it was done by George Lynn. Right, and... Uh, there was no cachet. Oh, there wasn't? I saw him with... Uh, maybe the cachet was added afterwards then? Ah. The, the cachet was the morning border around it. That's how I've understood it to be. Did, did he put a collar around the stamp? Uh I believe they had a cachet. Hold on, let me, let me uh, consult I, I, my... Yeah, I could my, swear uh, it had a cachet. Yeah, I, I thought it had. It, well, thought, it, it's not a it's not a cachet like we would think a cachet. No, it's right. it's like it had a return address size little statement on it saying this is first day cover or this is first day of use for this stamp. You know, very very small in the lower left hand corner. If I'm not mistaken. 
Well, if I'm not mistaken, that first day covers kind of kicked off the whole thing with um, first flight air mails and all oh, sorts yeah. of other stuff, oh, yeah. too. Well, I, you know, I, I was, I, it's not a morning border around it. Lower, uh, lower left corner, there's a little uh, parting memorial. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, so it was a specifically designed envelope for that stamp for that day of issue. And again, there are a zillion other first day cover producers. I mean, we didn't mention Flugel. Flugel? Flugel. Uh, did, I like Flugels. Yeah. It, multicolor again. They're kind of right. in they're, not, they're not engraved. They're lithographed, I think. Yeah. But in my opinion, they're sort of cartoon artish. Uh, so slight, they, slightly, but they are very attractive because oh, the colors are super vibrant. Yeah. Yeah. They also make an excellent line of horns. Flugel horns. <laughs> I have one of those. Well, I'm curious um, for Becca and Dawn as collectors of topicals. Have either of you guys ever looked to collect first day covers that may hit your topical collections of interest? Oh, that's SETI. That's SETI. That's a slow pitch over the mound there. <laughs> so first. So my husband actually collects the first day covers, so they're mainly his purview. So I stay away from them, <laughs> but I do collect world first day covers, like international. Well, Don, I know you collect dragons. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're the dragon first day covers. Yep. So, and a lot of those, the uh, cachets often look better than the stamps. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Anybody have any last-minute things to? Uh... What would you say about the the, uh, the two cent three sixty the two cent three sixty Scott three sixty seven, which was issued February twelfth, nineteen oh nine? There are an awful lot of usages that are on that are on postcards that were made for use at, at, around that time that were printed around that time. Um, I don't think you can call it since none of them say first day cover. But they are canceled on the on the first day. You call those just first usage, well, rather than first days. We're going. To, we'll talk about first usages. However, here let me point something out. Very obvious, you know. George Linz did the first first day cover. He was also a predominant writer. I don't think that he would say I did the second one or I did the <laughs> third one. He would say, I did the first one. And since he had the largest mouthpiece, <laughs> what he said went. So there could, I mean, where did he come up with the idea? He probably came up with the idea from somebody else. And he said, wow, you know, I really liked Harding. He was my favorite president. He was the greatest president ever, you know. Well, there it, were there were more than likely there were people that were doing that for their own uh, collections. And so they would make one for themselves. And he is the one that changed it and said, well, I'm not going to just make one. I'm going to make 20 or yeah. 30 or whatever or he made. Or whatever, whatever he, he made. made. Yeah. And then I'm going to sell them. Yeah. And so that's where he actually became famous as the first day cover. There could very easily, and I don't know this for a fact, but there could very easily be other first day cover cachet makers 
that just uh, didn't do a very big run, and Linz took credit for it. Uh, I believe where George Lynn got the idea was the morning were the morning covers that were very popular around the turn of the century. So many people would have been familiar with those type of covers, and it was much of a leap to come up with a cover to be issued on the first day of the memorial stamp. And again, I think that, you know, because he had the position he had, the publication that he had, he probably jumped on it from a marketing standpoint and he is given credit for it. Uh, whether he deserves it or not is, you know, debatable. You can go ahead and have the debate. I'm not going to have the debate, but you know, uh, the P the credit went to him. And, uh, so first day cover collectors start with that first day cover. And by the way, Brian, have you ever seen one sell at auction? Uh, George Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, uh, back in 2000 or 2001, I probably worked on one of the best collection George Lynn covers that has existed. What, what did the, uh, Harding cover get back then? Oh boy, uh, some of them were quite rare. They brought thousands of these. I, I, it, it's been a long time, almost twenty years. Uh, I, I think the average brought somewhere around eight hundred dollars. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is the key item for a first day cover collection. So I'm, right. I'm not surprised that it got that sort of money. And this was twenty years ago when first day covers were much more popular. Yeah. Um, so if you're interested in collecting first day covers, you can always uh, look for the American First Day Cover Society, AFDCS. Um, in the last few years, they've been joining the American Philatelic Society as a sponsor for the summer show, uh, which obviously was canceled this year, but and they were going to be a co-sponsor of that show. Um, but they do also have their own shows every year anyway if you're interested you can contact them uh i would assume they have a website yeah it's uh afdcs.org there you go and they're part of the ap or they're an aps affiliate oh, obviously of course. yeah so give them a look pull up their website learn some more about uh first day covers well on that note we need your help Join the podcast. Membership is $10 for a lifetime. We need your help to keep us going because nothing on the internet is free to do, including setting up our telephone connections. If you are an APS member, please include your membership number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Our address is P.O. Box 539-309, Henderson, Nevada, 89053. Your support is very much appreciated. You've been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 264. This was Tom. This was Cash. This was Scott. This was Mark. This was Albert. This was Becca. This is Brian. This is Don. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. 
If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.